Welcome to Half a Cinch. This is a music appreciation podcast. We talk about albums from 1973. That's the Half a Cinch part. 50. Get it? All right. My name is Mike. His name is JR. Hello. And you said 73. It's 72. 72. Oh, my God. That's that's the first time I messed up. Nice. Actually, I wonder if anyone would have noticed. I'll just go with it next time. You did. Uh, it made me question what year it was i was like wait a second i don't know math but i know it's not um yeah well uh anyway where where was i oh yeah we're talking about curtis mayfield superfly uh this is a big album for this year real big let me just tell you when i first um started listening to uh funk uh soul specifically the 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 real funky stuff um you know i i, I listen to earth wind and fire i listen to parliament funkadelic i listen to james brown but when i discovered curtis mayfield uh this is the guy that i went all in i i, I immediately got every album i listened to them constantly uh he, there's just something about him that is so awesome uh the the voice you know the high register and the voice uh, was just um uh, something uh different uh and his his ability to his ability to like uh produce everything so well all the instrumentation so good and his his awareness of of what's going on around him like his uh his you know his courage and his boldness to to put the social issues up front in the music and be like we're these are going to be singles and we're going to release singles talking about these things um so good um yeah i i listen to superfly a lot uh for for many many years so Pro, this is probably the album of all the albums we've done so far. This might be the one I know the best, actually. Best, yeah. The yeah I'd say that, Thick as a Brick was probably that for me. Yeah. Yeah. But this was definitely high school for me. Like, uh, that's the first time I heard it was riding around in a car thinking I was really cool. But then there's a song, we'll get to it, but it has a very etched in my memory, um, you know, nostalgic moment for me that makes this album, you know one of my favorites because of that song alone yeah yeah and and the um the sort of the idea of uh you know small town like white kids like loving this music and and you know hearing hearing the lyrics and and sort of you know kind of i i guess like getting where the lyrics are come from understand what this album's about but not really like you know we're loving this album you know we're not really relating to it yeah but uh, but it's still it's still just uh you know it was a great record for us and and it's one of those things that like over time you know the the less the less ignorant the less tone deaf we get the more the more we can you we can kind of like uh not relate to it but at least like hear hear what it's about a little more you know yeah there's something romantic too about it not being for you Mm -hmm. it's kind of like punk you know you it, it makes it very punk that like it's not for you and you you search it out the more crazy you become about it 
you know, even, even punk, whenever you try to relate with that, that wasn't your, you weren't living the Ramones life, but the Ramones were helping you live your identity. You know, it's dangerous, you know, something about, and because of its tie with the movie, it was like very obvious. It was not for us, (laughs) you know, like this, no question, but it was so good. And you, you can relate with the music. And I think that's, what's so important about his, his style, and I'll probably beat that horse to death. Um, there's a style he has of funk, and that's why it sets him apart from the rest. And it's just, it's the psychedelic soul part of his genre. It's just like not a lot of solos, not a lot of jamming where you would think there would be. It's just very structured, produce nice parts, almost like jazz funk, yeah. because it's all just very, sounds like it's jamming, but it's very planned out. And there's lyrics pretty much throughout when there are lyrics and even the instrumental ones aren't jammy. They're very just playing their parts to make a sound like a betting music kind of, again, soundtrack sound because of the movie aspect. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you, you said it perfectly that, you know, uh, maybe the content, the content wasn't for us, but as music lovers and as music makers ourselves, the music is definitely for us uh, <laughs> for sure. A lot of Latin instruments, too. So that's what I love. It's like all the cultures, you know, like these 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 musicians, these African-American musicians playing Latin instruments and us relating to it, like really should show you how we all come from the rock and the stick, you know, you know, I don't know. No, no, it's that's that's so true. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. We'll talk about like the the layers of instrumentation here. That is, is just I mean, obviously he's got, he's got the backing band, uh, but then you got like, you got horn arrangements, you got um, string arrangements, you got great strings, probably some yeah. of my favorite strings anyone's used in, in cool music. Yeah. And the, the way that, the way that he uses them as almost like uh, it, they, they complement the melody, but then he also uses them to like complement the percussion too. Mm-hmm. The way they have these like st- sort of like these uh, very staccato moments with the you know it's just like, yeah so it's so good and like it kind of like it gives you goosebumps at, like just how full and and powerful. yeah it adds to the groove too with those horns on the low end the yeah. you know just like really it's very james brown yeah, for sure. Yeah, very uh, contemporary. But there's it. parts in like one of the songs in, in Give Me Your Love where it's just a harp piano and the string part. And the way that they are playing those three parts juxtaposing together yeah. and it making a melody is so cool. There's not even any drums yet or anything in the song. It's just a piano and a harp and then these string parts happening. And that would be so cool to see how they would do that live. But yeah, and like you said, the additional percussion is is so like kind of the all star. The, the congas record. are fire on this record. <laughs> They're like you can hear every finger, man. So uh, this is his third studio album. Um, uh, Curtis Mayfield he started his own record label very early. He started his own record label in '68, which was which was pretty cool. Called uh, Kurt Tom Records, and it's a mix between uh, his first name. And the other guy who ran the label, uh, I forget his first name, something Thomas. Um, uh, actually, yeah, let me, let me, uh, Eddie Thomas. Eddie uh, so Thomas. These, these two guys, they started Curtom Records. So it came out in that label. Uh, nice. Started in Chicago. Curtis Mayfield is, is Chicago guy. 
And uh, this was, uh, like we said, this is soundtrack to a movie. And it was one of the most successful soundtracks in, in regards to um, making more money than the movie. Mm-hmm. Like one of the very few things. And, you know, I'll, I, I watched the movie. It's, uh, you know, black exploitation. It's very low budget. Uh, it's got a lot of flaws, probably because of budget and time restraints time constraints and uh, you know it's just not really well made even though like there there is kind of a a, you know there's a lot of poignant things about the movie and and it's got a good story to it uh and i learned that the guy who made the movie gordon gordon parks jr i think i think that's name. this was his first movie and gordon parks jr was the son of another filmmaker named gordon parks who I did not know this, but he's the guy that made Shaft. So hmm. in, in 1971, uh, Gordon Parks releases Shaft, and then a year later, his son does Superfly. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just it's I, very I thought, interesting. Yeah, um, Gordon Parks Jr. Um, unfortunately died in a plane crash in Kenya in 1979. And he only got to make a couple of movies, but his movies they all like sound very cool, even though. They kind of have this sort of like um, cult feel, black exploitation feel. The 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 premises behind them, like one is is like a 1910s Bonnie Bonnie and Clyde meets Robin Hood. These these two young people, they're like bounty hunters, and then they become bank robbers and they steal money from rich people and give it to poor people. And uh, it, it's very like it's it's something that like Quentin Tarantino would want to rip off for sure. And then he did another movie. So I'd say he ripped off Superfly a lot. Oh, probably. yes, for sure. Uh, and then he did another movie called Three the Hard Way, which is about uh, three dudes. I can't remember if they're like vets, maybe, but they're three hard asses who, uh, st- who stop a bunch of white supremacists from uh, poisoning the water supply of their city. Sounds pretty good. <laughs> yeah, Sounds like a good movie. Like, yeah, that's like... I, I I love the I love the fact of like of these movies where it's just like uh yeah like like in Superfly it's just the this like white establishment is the enemy it is very clearly the enemy like in Superfly it's a bunch of crooked white cops and uh, yeah it's just I don't know good thing we don't have those anymore <laughs> <laughs> yeah good thing that's just fiction right yeah um but yeah like I said very very successful album it was like an instant hit um are there any others that where what would what else would be because most album most movies have like a single like top gun's got danger zone but the rest of the top gun album's not great back to the future soundtrack's good but it's a lot of robert zemeckis score but i mean what what else would you think i mean i love judgment night and i like the crow soundtrack a lot but those are because of my bias to the those genres are, I like. Yeah, those are big ones in the 90s. I, I meant to look up what other soundtracks made more money than the movie. Maybe Wizard of Oz? I, I Maybe like a musical? I would put my money on Saturday Night Fever. Oh, good one, man. Good pull. That's probably, that's on one of the biggest record breakers out there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would probably say Superfly and Saturday Night Fever are probably the two Good uh, two best examples of a soundtrack being bigger than the movie 
Yeah. And that had like three hits on it, but it was still a huge selling record. You're yeah. right, dude. Good pull. Um, but yeah, it, uh, he recorded it at the RCA uh, studio in Chicago. Chicago and, nice. then, and then it finished it up. Probably all the arrangements were done in New York at Bell Sound in New York. Yeah, all the strings and all that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, uh, you know what? I kind of want to. I kind of want to just get into the personnel before we do the track list because Let's do it. these guys were so good. Um, yeah, we'll talk about Curtis at the end. But the the dudes that made this album happen, uh, a lot of them are are his like Chicago buddies, and uh, it it's just I, I don't know. It was um, it was cool for all of them to do it from the city that they're you know in the city that they're from and to do it in a, in a city where this, this story could take place, you know, like, uh, you know, a city that's had its fair share of, of problems, you know, in, uh, you know, impoverished neighborhoods and drugs, violence, you know, um, on the guitar, uh, a guy named Phil Upchurch, uh, he's from Chicago uh, he's been on all kinds of stuff, and most notably, he played guitar on D- Donny Hathaway's "This Christmas," which we've talked <laughs> about before. But nice. probably the most famous Christmas song of all time. Yeah, dude is the guitar player on it. Nice, it's a good uh, name, solid name, Phil Upchurch. Uh, on bass, you got Joseph, quote unquote, Lucky Scott. Nice. Um, not from Chicago, from Chattanooga, one of the only guys not from Chicago, but this dude was like uh, Curtis's right-hand man. And by right hand, I mean his his aggressive style of, of plucking the bass with his right hand. It was something that he was known for. And the bass lines on this album are yeah. just incredible. I mean, uh, sampled constantly in yeah. music uh, yeah. because of those bass lines. But yeah, he was um, he was uh, his musical director, and he was on like fifteen records uh, with Curtis Mayfield. Nice. Um, yeah, he uh, he died young in '96, unfortunately. Uh, on the percussion, yeah, his name he went by Master Henry Gibson. Wow, another, another love Chicago, that guy. Another Chicago guy. Yes. Uh, he, he has uh, on under his belt 1200 notches guys been 1200 records uh he's he is super famous um his i mean his skill at like some of that stuff with the roto tom that do 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 you know mm-hmm. turning that roto tom and then moving over to the congas and mm-hmm. conga works fan is i mean these songs are like you're born knowing them already some of them yeah you know i mean he played for four decades um after about 20 years in the business he kind of wanted to start being like the main focus uh he kind of wanted to be you know the leading man uh on stage and so he he started developing more of a uh a soloist kind of you know skill set uh he went out to hawaii and he did a bunch of stuff out there um yeah, just uh, doing a lot of a lot of great shit. Uh, in the movie Superfly, there is a part where we get a cameo with Curtis. Curtis is playing at a club. Uh, he's playing uh, Pusher Man. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, besides Curtis, 
the, uh, you see a couple other guys there on stage, guitar and bass. I'm not quite sure if they were the guys on the album, but then you you get the guy like playing the the congas and the that, big red and blue congas. Yeah, that is definitely Henry Gibson. That that's Master Henry there. Nice. He, he definitely got himself a little cameo, which is cool. Um, yeah, he died in 2002. Uh, he had a yeah, he had a nice long life doing a lot of cool shit. Uh, left a lot, left a legacy. Yeah. Uh, drums, guy named Morris Jennings, another Chicago guy. He plays drums on the whole album except for Pusher Man. That was hmm. uh, that was another dude. Um, he's best known for playing with Muddy Waters, uh, Howlin' Wolf, those guys before getting. That's amazing. Artists. Yeah, that's amazing. Great uh, name, Morris Jennings. It's like two last names. <laughs> yeah, uh, he stuck around till 2016. Um, nice. He had a nice. Long life too, but yeah. As far as Pusher Man, um, there was there was a uh, a couple of brothers, Tyrone McCullen and Craig McCullen. Uh, didn't really know much about them, but they are listed as playing drums and guitar only on Pusher Man. So, I don't know. I don't know what the deal was there. Uh, just decided to do that song separately somewhere. Maybe he wrote that one in New York, yeah. away from the other guys, and he flew you know lucky in because he was such a right-hand man like you said yeah who knows and there's the, definitely masters definitely on that song too but he could overdub that easy yeah and since he was playing this song live uh for the movie well it wasn't playing live you could tell that it was you could tell that it was like lip syncing but yeah, yeah. It very very well these brothers could have been those guys on stage with them there that's true that's true during the, the movie um, and then the guy arranging everything was a guy named Johnny Pate, and he was a he's a big producer and arranger in the Chicago pop and blues scene. Um, and he worked with Curtis a lot on all the string arrangements and stuff, and he worked with a lot of other people too. Um, and he's still around; he's still kicking at the age of ninety eight. But he did he did a lot of work nice. for for Chess Records here in Chicago. Um, yeah just just great and he he's he's credited on in the superfly credits where it says all like music written and performed by curtis mayfield then there's a second credit that says uh all arrangements scored by johnny pate so um yeah so maybe they did the strings in chicago then i don't know know. yeah that's that's a good call since he is a chicago guy um, but yeah, that's, I, I mean, I wish I had more info on the horn players because there's so much like great, there's so many great like sax solos. Right. Um, they credit the trombone player, don't they? Yeah, yeah. It, which is weird just, just to give him like one credit. Maybe he's like, he's some guy that had a different contract. Like these guys are probably like studio guys. They're like, right. Like, and I hope, th- I hope this doesn't come out wrong, but you know, some of those musicians maybe have been unsavory with the law at the time too just yeah don't put my rent don't put my name out there <laughs> yeah yeah or i mean it's it's one of those things where people get paid people get paid a, a certain amount of money and they get a bonus or something as long as they you know it's like we're not going to give you a credit for yeah it, but you get not you know, every string players on there yeah, yeah you're right yeah. you're right um but yeah great musicians uh and uh, curtis himself uh, just 
like I said, fantastic voice. Um, mostly, a, mostly known for a guitar player. Though I, I've never seen him play a piano, but I bet the, I bet the guy plays a little piano too. Yeah, and not a soloer, man. Yeah, yeah. No, all he needs is that voice. The voice, you're and, right. And his, and obviously his mind. <laughs> the, mm-hmm. And write. that wow, wow, wow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so so good on the wall guitar. Um, yeah. And it's it's one of those things where like you have so many things going on that the guitar has its place in the songs and it's not really in the foreground but it's, it's percussion it's like playing an extra drum yeah, yeah almost you know and and like without without some of those like like little licks or without like that wah effect you it would not be funk you couldn't have it right um yeah uh opens up with uh little child running wild and this is just it just gives gives you a a scene of of the streets you know this it's not about anyone in particular it can be about anyone like living you know living this life uh of addiction of uh, of poverty you know man man, uh mentions push a man yeah yeah i wanted to i wrote down every time that push a man was mentioned outside of the song push a man yeah, is it that theme is this the opening i don't remember is this the opening song of the movie it is yeah okay it sounds like a movie opening song yeah and it just opens with two guys who aren't even like main characters at all just uh you know they they they're looking to score and it's just the the song just kind of follow this the camera just follows them while the song's playing you know like walking the streets and it is just sort of like um it's almost like a music video for this song basically Hmm. and uh yeah it's um yeah it's great Uh, it and again it's like an odd is it is i i had trouble counting it a little bit it's it does it have an odd time signature i feel like it does i don't know it's not in this it's not in the sense of like a seven eight it's more of like a long one that's like 11 or something it's got a weird couple turns in it that it 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 could technically be four four but it's it's herky-jerky in that way that some bands do seven eights and eleven eights and stuff yeah and i mean most of the song is very like it's very personalized to to people who you know are, are living this kind of life and it it kind of it kind of shows like you know gives them the sympathy but then he adds this one verse in there that kind of shows you like the bigger problem of of all of this and that's the the verse where he says where is the mayor who will make things all all things fair he lives all things fair yeah yeah he lives outside our polluted air which is yeah it just kind of shows you that it's like that yeah there there is there is a bigger uh problem here and and it it goes to the top it's a pretty cool ending to the song too oh yeah for sure um uh and then uh the next is uh is is pusher man and everyone never heard it before (laughs) everyone knows the beginning of this song like it's 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 that it's that awesome percussion 
yeah. that awesome baseline. A lot of highs too in the in the bunk in the congas. Like that's what it, it's really high in the mix. Like there's not a lot of low EQ on it, so it just like screams out like it's the vocalist. I really like that. Yeah, yeah, and the, and the, the like the perspective shifts to like uh, I like how it shifts from like you know someone like needing to score you know having this addiction and now here's the person that can that can ease your pain here's this mm-hmm. here's this person and even though it's like even though it's it may sound like it's sort of glamorizing this like lifestyle i i think it's more like it's not really glamorizing it but at the same time it's not really um it's not really showing like how how bad it is it's just more like like this is a this is a position mm-hmm. that exists this in, happens in this yeah world. this this happens and here's a magnifying glass on it yeah yeah and if if this person wasn't doing it someone else would mm-hmm. because what what else what else is there you know like how else can this person make money and it shows that like there's you know there's the line in it where he's talking about the guy he's trying to make money he's trying to make money for for his woman you know there's this line it's like uh uh what does he say like yeah i got a woman i love desperately want to give her something better than me like he, you know in a, in a way that's like he's doing this for himself but at the same time he he does have someone else in his life that mm-hmm. you know and what else is he gonna do flip burgers right <laughs> um yeah yeah great song good song um then next is the first single off the album freddie's dead which is pretty much the the theme to the movie this this song plays through the movie a lot this is the theme um but he he doesn't the, like the lyrics never kick in in the movie um <laughs> and i'll i'll talk about because uh, you just see freddie get killed <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> I'll talk about this uh, uh, a consequence of that uh, later, but uh, yeah, this song is just—it's just about a specific character in the movie who does get killed. Um, but it's really just kind of you know, even if you haven't seen the movie, the you know the context of this song, you know, you don't really need the movie for the context because this you know Freddie could be anybody, and yeah. it's it's just um, it's a cautionary tale basically yeah and this is my second favorite uh yeah like i said it was the first single pretty good song it it reached uh number four on the billboards and number two on the r&b charts so yeah i mean it was an instant hit um there's a turnaround in it that sounds like a very very gordy motown jackson five but played by the meters yes <laughs> you know like, yes it, it it's kind of, it does Poppy. have that. It does have that funky like a, aggression to it. But then when it gets to that like, uh, yeah, then when it gets to that part where, you know, the strings kind of make it a little bit sadder. Yeah, you know? the strings are really good on this song. He does a little more of that storytelling singing mm-hmm. on this. He does in the first two songs, but he kind of really gives you that like, I'm literally gonna talk in a song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which if uh, people, more people heard the record and saw the movie, I guarantee it. I don't know how those numbers in front of me, but that set it apart from other music. Yeah. You know? And, and I mean, very, uh, some very like 
poignant like lyrics that just he just kind of sticks near the end it's like we can deal with rockets and dreams but reality what does it mean and it's it's such it, it was at this time where it was like you know the space race had been happening for a while yeah. you know a person was on like you know we put a man on the moon just a couple of years before but you know it's all those things where like people are like looking to the stars looking to the rockets but yeah. the reality is down here right yeah, yeah. On these streets which more people are saying now too because the ufo thing is hotter than ever yeah and people are like why are you spending time and money on that and even if it is right holy crap where they're gonna <laughs> blow us up or whatever and it's just i'm like yeah i get both sides it's fun it's fun to look in the sky and be like we're not alone but also what if they're like you're right it's like shit <laughs> <laughs> uh it was uh this song was uh it got a couple grammy nominations for best r&b vocal uh male and best r&b song uh it you know it lost out both but it was here, here's what i was talking about how uh there's no words in the song in the movie it actually was ineligible for best song because of that because the lyrics aren't sung in the movie hmm. that that's like a requirement i guess to get nominated for best song that's weird yeah but oh well whatever yeah um and then track four junkie chase this is uh it's instrumental and this this is one of those moments where you you know you kind of like oh that's right this is this is a soundtrack to a movie Mm -hmm. and i mean the scene is exactly what it says it's it's a chase scene where the main the main guy gets jumped by these by the these two like uh these two guys in the opening of the movie who are like Mm -hmm. looking to score and they jump them and rob them. And then this big chase scene ensues. And uh, <laughs> in the movie. Very, very white. It's very, very white. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, in the movie, like I said, they, you know, they had some flaws. One part I just thought was funny is the scene where the, the camera is like running along with them. You could tell like they, they had to like run with the camera. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple of times when like a, a cord or something falls in front of the lens of the camera and then someone has to move it and and then obviously they're like well you know we can't do another take because because we're out here in traffic yeah (laughs) Yeah, we're just running around in traffic um i wrote my note wrote about this was if someone asked me to write a song that sounded like black exploitation yeah and i hope that doesn't come off racist but it just the song this album and that movie kind of coined the genre, right? For it really brought it no. to the masses. So yeah. it, it that's there's a reason why it sounds like that. It's because it is that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I I mean the the only other one that could be uh, debatable to for that would be like Isaac Hayes's, you know, yes. for Shaft, right? Yeah. Um, but even this song, even Junkie Chase, it got. A Grammy nomination for best R&B instrumental. It's a good song. Um, yeah, and then uh, the next side, I think. I think it's a good ender to a side. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. For sure. And then and you it, got those two bangers, Push Man and Freddie's Dead. Yes. And then go out with the instrumental. I think that's a great side A. I still think side B is better, but. Yeah, I I think I think side A is definitely the. Uh, 
the one for like the single well you know there's a single inside b but it feels like the the popular songs like the the really funkiness of everything that that people like want to jam to is definitely on side a mm-hmm. um but yeah side b does get a bit more thoughtful though like uh it starts off with give me your love which i i i love how this song opens because the whole first half of the song you think it's going to be an instrumental like it, it, the music just plays for a long time before he, you know, he comes in with that, that refrain. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's like the you, harp and piano yeah, and strings I was talking about. Yeah, so like good. you said, it just that, that like very beautiful, like angelic opening, you know, with mm-hmm. the harp. But they're all three at, they all come in and they're like kind of doing their thing. But mm-hmm. then they come in on a part where they're all three playing this like produced kind of part. And it's just so neat. I mean, you were, gosh, for what they were doing that with, and I mean, this isn't electronic music. Like you can do that kind of stuff now really easy. That would like to do that and write that and put that. I mean, I, I think the movie probably helped them have backing to get that time and the money towards that, but just so cool. Like not what you'd expect at all. And the, again, what sets him apart from so many of his peers was that kind of he did that so well i really can't think of many other songs that are as popular especially soundtracks that have such good use of strings man you just really knew how to do it harp too geez what are you gonna do there yeah and then when the when those like strings like really when everything kind of like kicks in with that staccato you know and uh and then there's just kind of like that low baseline that like the strings are playing along with it um yeah it, it's, I mean, it's so good and i remember that uh uh old hip-hop group from the 90s you probably remember diggable planets oh yeah but they had a uh, they had a really good song that samples this um but yeah in this in parentheses called love song give me your love for this love song where it's almost <laughs> like he has to indicate uh okay oh you need a song for the sex scene okay right. well here you go this is it yeah and hilarious sex scene by the way because the everything you see is in slow motion but then the audio is not in slow the audio is like like the sounds of like the water in a bathtub like sloshing and then moaning but, yeah. like, but it doesn't like match up with what you're seeing which is it is very very funny and there's like a, usa network kind of shit. <laughs> and it's like you you do see some naked ass and it really focuses on like grabbing ass like hands grabbing butt cheeks nice <laughs> you had me at grabbing ass <laughs> um but yeah this this uh was like my favorite song on the album for for a very very That's long good. time uh listening to it I, I just I I loved how the opening of the song just went on for a very long time before he's he started with that refrain and I just the refrain was so simple but I I I loved it and it's I mean mm-hmm. it's so good very good and it's four twenty <laughs> the length the length oh, of yeah. the song hey, yeah <laughs> um. Yeah, yeah. The the line where he was like, uh, uh, we say, preparing for tomorrow. You do what you have to do. I'll share the weight, whatever fate. It's being like, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I'm there for you. Whatever, whatever you got to do. 
Grabbing that ass. With it, yeah, I'm going to grab your ass <laughs> when you want me to. Of course. Right. Of course. Consent. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, next, next track. Uh, Eddie, you should know better, which is another cautionary tale. And this, mm. this one is a little bit more like of a ballad compared to um, smooth yeah compared to freddy's dead yeah it's a little mm-hmm. bit more smooth yeah I, I wrote down eddie don't end up like freddy come on yeah yeah exactly <laughs> uh, i also love the songs that the title is the first line of the song you know like nights yes. in white satin and just all that kind of stuff I'm a big fan yeah yeah i mean you know he probably he probably could have found uh, a different title but he didn't have a chorus for this one mm-hmm. it's just two verses yeah and so without a chorus you know he's just like oh well you know and and eddie is uh one of the main characters he he is the main character priest eddie is his like partner in this, this scheme okay. that he's got going so yeah it's just one of those things where like i think yeah you know uh curtis was just like you know keep with the theme of the movie you know this i don't i don't really want this album to that i mean that that kind of shows like his like lack of ego going into this he's like i'm going to make a great album and it's going to stand (laughs) on its own but don't worry you know i'll make sure that that it does you know reference the movie you know it's it'll be a part of it i've seen the movie He's like, I've seen it. <laughs> I was in the. Th- I was in I the. I saw Freddie. I saw Eddie. <laughs> the rest will figure it out. Um, yeah, but it's 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 one of those things. It's a song, kind of about like like loyalty. Basically, it's like even though, even though you're a criminal, you know, you're you're in this with somebody. You know, right. there, there has to be a level of trust. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and then, uh, yeah, then there is, uh, no thing on me after that, which this is, this is where like sort of the movie and the soundtrack split in a way, like they kind of a dichotomy where the, you know, the movie is, is basically showing that like that drugs are, are the focus that you, you need these drugs to get through that even the main character you mm-hmm. know, is an addict. But this this is the song where it's basically like no like the it's not you don't need these you don't need these things. It's all. funny, yeah. It's called Cocaine Song, but it's a, basically about being sober. Yeah, exactly. Uh, second mention of Pusher Man second outside. One, yeah. Now our lives in the hands of the Pusher Man. Yeah. yeah. Oh, this is one where he like he, he really does talk. the talk singing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's yeah. straight up talk singing in this one. Straight up. Um, but this this song is just I'm sober, suck it. It's great. And like <laughs> the tambourine's also really good. Second half of the song. It's just so happy. It's just like I'm sober and I don't need none of that shit's on me. Like I yeah. really I really like that. I think it's it's a it's a good yeah. message and it, it's another one it's another one that kind of takes a step away from the funk and kind of like uh, you know gets back into that r&b so different yeah i mean any of his peers you're not going to find songs like this on their stuff he just really sets himself apart with these songs yeah and i i remember i remember like just loving this chorus and just think, like we're just remembering like how positive like this chorus was so much but at the at the same time also like you know 
smoking a ton of weed while listening yeah yeah oh yeah but but i was always like it is funk (laughs) i was like weed's weed's not the same thing though well he's he's talking about harder stuff weed's fine yeah just like nervously laughing while you're high (laughs) like (laughs) cocaine (laughs) yeah yeah no 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 not me you know that line where it's like yeah my life's a natural high right it's like well well that that see you gotta smoke the joint and then put the album on so when you're high you're in the first side you're like yeah (laughs) Yeah. then as you're coming down you're like you know what this is better i shouldn't do drugs (laughs) yeah yeah i just i just remember like singing that like the chorus is like one of the most singable choruses too Mm -hmm. on the album the man can't put no thing on me Um, i love that phrase in general yeah exactly could mean any could mean quite a bit uh yeah the, and the song where he actually uses the word funky in it too it's like kind of kind of the like least funky song <laughs> um but then he's yeah what's he say uh something oh yeah yeah i know your mind you want it funky but you don't have to be no junkie like yeah, yeah. You, i know yeah. i know you want you want to you want to screw up your head you want to you want to escape reality yeah but then, yeah, at the very end, like that refrain, that refrain outro sure is funky. I ain't no junkie. Uh, and then the next instrumental, uh, which is Think. And So this is probably not only my favorite song on the album, but one of my favorite songs yeah. ever. Uh, it's, it's the one I referred to earlier as having like a nostalgic memory in my life okay um, yeah when i used um, when i was younger i've skateboarded at different points in my life i can't really skateboard right now on my with my leg but i've always been a big fan of skateboarding love skateboarding and in the 90s before we before we had the internet and all these social medias we would go hang out at the skate shop which still very strong culture does that and watch skate videos and buy these vhs videos and there was one there was a video magazine called 411 vm and they had different issues and it was basically social media before they would have different segments and different video segments and parts and that's how i saw bam first that's how i saw a lot of people first but um i bought one and it was number 16 and i rem- i'll never forget every song off that hum stars like there's so many great songs from that vhs um that are songs i still love to this day they like ingrained in me somehow and it's because you when you're a kid skateboarding before you go skateboard or after you skateboarded all day what you do with all your skateboard friends you're hanging out with is watch these videos so like all the time over and over and over and over watching these videos and at the end of the 411 vms they would have all the bales you've seen all these great clips right you've seen all these guys skaters land stuff we're going to show you all the falls and all the things that they did went through <laughs> to get there and so they play this song for the credits of oh, the one cool. the one that i owned um and it was fake plastic trees and then as the bales came in this song comes in and i'll never forget at the end this dude does this huge trick and breaks his hand and it's all in slow motion and he walks over the camera with the with the song playing so beautifully and just kind of shows the camera and his wrist is all just like broken (laughs) but uh it was it's just such a beautiful disaster like the way that ingrained in my life the the skateboarders all following falling um slowly and eloquently to this beautiful slow eloquent song and i think this song stands alone as one of just i mean 
first of all, it's almost four minute instrumental that almost yeah. has nothing to do with the rest of the album. It's, it's so alien to the rest of the album, in my opinion. No, yeah, you're and right. It's just an amazing song. So thank you for letting me go on that spiel. But because of that, this song will always have a huge part in my heart. So. Oh, that's very cool. And and yeah, you're right. It, like even even the title of the song doesn't really reference anything that's happening in the movie. I mean, the the song does play in the movie. Um, I think it's just a very like maybe mundane part in the movie. So yeah, it it, it is one that kind of stands out. And yeah, it it is. Uh, we talked about I talked about how the guitar never really needed to be at the front of most of these songs because there's so much going on. But this is the one that it starts off with guitar. With and a, the guitar is so soft, but it's doing those yes. like these like crazy jazz frills. And that, yeah. that's probably some of the best guitar of him on the record. Maybe that's up church. I don't know. But man, like there's this this is not a guitar show off record at all. And that's yeah. what sets him apart from like the meters and stuff, like a lot of the bands that would play guitar solos that would play this type of music and you know this to, to have that great guitar in the song that's the quietest i mean this isn't i don't know there's just yeah and the, the guitar it, it's beautiful but it, it still has it has like a, a little xylophone sort of yes uh, complimenting it which yep. which makes it even better i mean we talked about the harp but now mm-hmm. now you're adding like xylophone to it and it's it's just all these like little elements that like i said it's just you might think it stuff like this would be overproduced but it's not like it well i like i said the movie gave him this like not crutch but gave him this like pass yeah to like go out there and to go to new york or wherever he did and add all these strings and all this all extra percussion and make it not it made it legit where like if a, if a band just tried to do this he'd be like what the f- what are you doing <laughs> what are you doing but the movie gave him the a framework and the like courage i guess to just say yeah i'm gonna put a xylophone on it yeah we're gonna put a harp on it it's for a movie (laughs) you know yeah and and it's it's beautiful and it like it's it keeps like adding more and more things as the song Mm -hmm. goes you know and keeps springfield soul stew man so good yeah yeah and uh i think this might be one too that's got like got some great sax on it Mm -hmm. um but yeah and then then after that is the title track uh superfly which was the other single the second single for the album is this uh, the credits of the movie no this song the song does show up uh different times, times in the movie i think this should have well bookends are bookends we talk about this i know you love bookends <laughs> but you know but this is a could have been great opener holy yeah. crap what a great opener and for some reason i've heard this song a ton of times in my life and every time i hear the bandit i I go boogie nights and i think that's a cool in the gang song that for some like ripped that off and for some reason every time i hear i'm like boogie nights uh but yeah it's like it's a perfect i guess closer or opener because of that but yeah very again it sounds like like a little child running wild it's got a very like this is has the song has an intent it's an opening or yeah. closing something like you said it's an interesting place to put the you know the song um i mean obviously not the not the first time the the title track is is the also the closing song you know but was it, give me your love the other single you said 
No. Oh, um, but it was later. Freddy, yeah, it was. Give Me Your Love is the third. Freddy's Dead, Superfly, then Give Me Your Love. So oh, okay. that would I, take that theory out. I was going to say maybe they thought Give Me Your Love, and that's why they did Side 2 as the opener. Uh, I, but, I never I never even saw that Give Me Love was a single. Yeah, they did it a year later. Uh, it only got to 31. But, oh, man, yeah. this this record held on um, in in the charts for, like, a year at least. So yeah yeah for sure for sure i yeah give me your love i didn't even know that you released a single and and for it to come so late and for that song also to be a single like i yeah. said we're like the, the only thing that makes sense is the placement like side b for a song i could get yeah but for know? for a song to have that long of an of of an intro without mm-hmm. the singing coming in yeah I, i'm sure that that radio stations were constantly like just like fading it, dropping the needle. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Talking over it while it was <laughs> yeah, happening. Yeah, yeah we're going to be down at the car wash this weekend. <laughs> and then here's Curtis Mayfield give you love, love song. Um, and it comes yeah. in the singing. I hate it when they did that, just for the record. I know, because I was always trying to tape stuff off. Exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Superfly it made it to number eight on the charts. Um, it got sampled a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. Curtis himself Good even, chance you've heard this song. If you're yeah, listening. Curtis, Very good chance. Curtis sampled it uh, for a song called Superfly 1990, which was a duet he did with Ice T. Oh, I thought that's even funnier. I was going to say Bill Biv DeVoe or something for 1990. <laughs> that, that, it, that is even, that's way better, Ice T. Yeah. Is I mean, he just a hype man? Like, Superfly. <laughs> Now, I, I'm going to guess that it was, I don't know. I, I should look up that song. Maybe Ice-T tried to have that idea first. Like, we're going to do a new Superfly, and that's as far as they got. Yeah, yeah, because I, I know Ice-T, you know, he he was, he was always had sort of, you know, a, a pimp persona in the, yeah. you know, in like his beginning career. That's what he studied, so, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's what he studied. That's his degree. That's what he's got. <laughs> pimp and hose degree, PhD um and then the other that so that's that's the whole album but then i wanted to mention uh a couple times in the movie there is a a piece of music that plays that isn't on the actual album and it's called militant march uh it got it it showed up on an expanded the expanded edition anniversary 25th it had a bunch of like demos and and single mixes and all that stuff and this this got put back on the album and I kind of understand why it got cut from the original soundtrack because it's less than a minute long. It's 53 seconds. Mm-hmm. It's just a little instrumental piece. Well, the other two instrumentals on the record are bangers too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's probably one of those things where it's like, I, I don't, like he wrote this little piece of music and I think it's supposed to be the cop theme because the first mm. time, the first time, Sound, you, yeah. first time you hear it, it's like the cops and it does kind of have like sort of a, goofy sort of sound to it so mm-hmm. they're presenting the you know the police and it's called militant march it's to, their vaders it's their yeah. vader march <laughs> it's, yeah, the, it's the, the movie's vader march the goofy vader march um but yeah that's the whole album and um great record it, it's just yeah and to talk a little bit about curtis the man himself like i said there's so many albums from this time period of his that i just love like one right after the other you know his self-titled album, uh, Roots, which probably might be my favorite album. Mm-hmm. This uh, Future Shock. Future I mean, Shock, yeah. The guy just kept making music. Uh, into the '80s, he started doing more sort of like ballady stuff and and duets and getting into that. Um, 
and yeah, and he had a great career. Uh, it, it, I mean, it was really sad that in 1990, uh, if you don't know, he was paralyzed. A piece of lighting equipment fell on him when he was walking on stage. Uh, it paralyzed him from the neck down. But the dude didn't give up. He couldn't play music anymore, but it didn't stop him from writing and singing. And he realized that he could sing that if he laid completely flat, he would let gravity uh, control his lungs and he could still sing that way. And he put out an album in 1996 and he recorded the whole album like that, just lying. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, that stinks for him. I did not know that about him. That's terrible. Yeah, I mean, this album, it lots of Grammy nominations. Um, He ended up getting a Lifetime Achievement Grammy uh, in the 90s. And uh, yeah, and then, you know, he sadly died in 1999. You know, I think he was only only 57, maybe. Mm. Complications of diabetes, you know, it sucked. But still, just a legend. And, yeah, and, for and sure. Like I no said, one like him. Like I said, I, I listen to his music so much. When when it comes to this this type of funk, um, it you know, it, like I said, I, I just always gravitated towards him. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. It's good walking music. It's really it makes you feel so cool, man. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Oh yeah. It had a, it, it got a, another Grammy nomination for best soundtrack. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Uh, you know, it's up real- there. Rolling Stone puts it at 76 out of their top 500. So, Ooh. I mean, it's a, it's in the top 100 for them. Uh, That's probably the highest one, right, that we've done. Yeah, I think so. Uh, um, it popped Gotta albums, be. It peaked at number one, peaked at number one on uh, black albums, peaked at number two even on jazz albums. And it, it's not like you were talking it's, about the, the jazz yeah. elements of it, you know, which. But he never classified himself as that. No, no, not at all. Yeah. Uh, it's in the Library of Congress, so it's know. culture. It's yeah. not just a record. The movie, it, it's so much more. It's culture. Same shaft, man. Those parks, man. Make <laughs> yeah. things that just will always be. Will always yeah. be. And they remade both of those movies. Yeah, yeah it's true. Um, but yeah, I just I I love Curtis Mayfield, and uh, I that's I can't, I can't say any more than that really well, great record glad we got to do this one absolutely yeah i can't believe this is you know this one was was on the list and i was i was really looking forward to to listening to this album again and, and diving into it so but uh yeah cool that's it so well, you know what we always say what do we always say uh, <laughs> <laughs> Happy 50th birthday. Okay.